0: I'm going to ask that we take our Bibles now, and if you would turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians 11, of course, is a passage that is normally turned to in a communion service, but in a providential way, we find ourselves in First Corinthians 11, again, in this series uh, that I'm doing about uh, gospel counsel in an age of compromise and confusion. So we're going to be looking this morning at verses 17 through 34, and this morning's message is going to be in two parts. So I want you to understand that I'm going to speak now for 10 minutes or so, and then then we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing again. And then I want to share with you some further thoughts from 1 Corinthians 11. So this message is divided into two parts, and I want to focus now on a very serious matter That the Apostle Paul mentions in these verses. Keep in mind that Paul is still um, communicating to the Corinthians and to us what he calls the traditions that I passed on to you. This is teaching or a block of teaching that the Apostle gave to the church. So whenever you read the word traditions that the Apostles will sometimes use, they're not using the word tradition in the way that we use it, something that we've done for many years no this is tradition in the sense that it's a block of teaching from the apostles on important matters and so this block of teaching which we started to look at last sunday morning pertains to our worship our corporate worship and so we saw first corinthians 11 last sunday morning verses Two through 16, which which dealt with the issue of women having head coverings in worship. And we discovered there that the the, the dominant idea that was a concern to the apostle was that there be be maintained within the assembly of God's people some kind of a visible distinction between male and female, between husband and wife, and that 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 distinction is important. In other words, the apostles want us to celebrate the differences that we have in gen, gen, gender. Not 45 of them, but two of them. And I, I, I say that, perhaps you might say I'm saying that with humor, but I'm, but I'm not. There are two genders that God has created, male and, fem- and female. And there is a proper decorum in which the genders worship God. So we're talking now about acceptable worship. I wasn't going to say, say this, but I am going to say it now. We need to understand that not all worship is acceptable to God. People get, people get this notion in their minds that if I'm just sincere, like I can worship God any way that I want to. And friends, that is not what the Bible tells us. God is so holy. God is so awesome that God tells us how he is to be worshipped. And while it is true that the Lord looks on the heart and not on the outward appearance, that's a fundamental truth and principle that we all agree to. But God has told us how he is to be worshipped. And so it is possible for people even in the sincerity of their hearts, to offer worship that is not acceptable to him. So we need to keep that in mind. God lays down the principles by which he must be worshipped. Now Paul is dealing here with a serious issue in verses 17 through 34. It is way more serious than what he talked about in terms of the head coverings that women would wear. He is talking now not just about the relationship between man and woman in terms of worship and how they relate to each other in the context of public worship, but he's now talking about brother and sister in Christ and how they relate to each other when they worship. So there's there's a key phrase in verse 27. I want you to look at it. Therefore, he says, whoever eats the bread... Or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Would you just like underline those two words? If you're not going to underline them with ink in your Bible, underline them, underscore them in your, in your mind. In an unworthy manner. Again, we see that it is possible to worship God not acceptably. To do it in an unworthy manner. And will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So what does... What does the Apostle Paul mean by this? I want to focus in on this unworthy manner. Well, Let me read now verses 17, starting at verse seven, 17. And I think you'll pick up the answer to the question. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Well, oh, what an indictment on a church. Your meetings do more harm than good. I mean, it's almost as though Paul is saying, stay home. Don't come and worship. Your meetings do more harm than good. Verse 18. In the first place, I hear that when you come together, so again, you see that? It's the church coming together to worship. When you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing Now it's clear immediately that the the, the context here is is different from what we're doing today so when we celebrate the Lord's table we we limit it to just a little bit of bread and some grape juice or wine This is not a big spread Is it? Like it's not a ton of food but in the early church, in the Corinthian church, when they gathered, they would have a common meal with each other. So probably at the beginning of the meal, the man, the pastor, the elder who presided at the table would probably take bread and he would break it at the beginning of the meal and they would eat. That would be their act of worship. Then they would, then they would enjoy a meal together. And then at the end of the meal they would take the cup and drink from it. And so it was done in the context of a communal meal. It was a family dinner. The church family had gathered together to eat. Now, when he says unworthy manner, I think, keep in mind it's unworthy manner. He doesn't just say, if we eat and we're unworthy, because friends, we're all unworthy. Like we will never feel worthy. If you think you are worthy to eat at the table of the Lord, you are not worthy. You're deluded because none of us are worthy. And so some people think, you know, I'm just not worthy. I'm a sinner. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not good enough. Listen, we're all unworthy. And our unworthiness is not an impediment to coming to the table. Rather, our unworthiness is the very reason why we should come to the table. So he's not talking about our unworthiness in terms of our our essence. He's talking about an unworthy manner. And so, what was what was going on? Well, he, he mentions first of all in verse 18 their divisions. Divisions. God's people. They're coming to this table. They're they're celebrating the communal meal and and they're 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 at they're against each other. They're harboring things in their hearts toward each other. Now this is a division not like the division mentioned earlier in Corinthians, which was you know focused on leadership personalities within the church. No, no, this, this 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 was something different. Because he goes on, and he, he basically says, if you look at verse 20, when you come together, it's not the Lord's supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead. So think of this communal meal. So some people are getting there, as it were, early, and they're going ahead, and they're, they're hitting the buffet before anyone else can get there. That's what they're doing. And, and in their actions, they're making sure that there's nothing left in the buffet for anybody else. And it does appear that it was some of the wealthy who were doing this because there were people who didn't have anything. They were the poorer ones. It's, it's as though there was an elitist faction within the, within the church. And um, it says, each one of you goes ahead without waiting. You see the sol- the selfishness? There's a selfishness and an insensitivity here. Like There's, there's a disregard for others. We're not thinking about others. They're not living under the principle of, Am I my brother's keeper? It's all about me. The Lord's table is all about me. Wow. That's the antithesis of what the Lord's table is. And so there's this selfishness and this insensitivity, and, and, and some are, are, are being left hungry at the meal, and some, it says here, we're getting drunk. Getting drunk. This is a church I wouldn't want to pastor. This is a church you wouldn't want to be a part of. Verse 22. Don't you have homes to eat in and drink in? Two key words. Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. So they were treating the Lord's table like it was a dinner party, not like it was a family dinner. And if you go down to verse 29, he says, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who drinks and eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. They were not recognizing the body of the Lord. Now immediately we would think, well, the bread represents the body. So there's a sense in which they're not appreciating what Christ did for us in his death, in his body, when he died on the cross and took our sins in his body. That may be what Paul's saying, but here's what he also might be saying he might be using the term the body of Christ to refer not just to the bread, but to all of us who are the body of Christ. We're all members of the body, you see? So you're not recognizing the body of the Lord. You're not recognizing that that this person next to you is a brother, this person across the aisle from you is a sister. You're not recognizing that. You're not appreciating that. You're not... You're not in fellowship with that person, recognizing that that person is really a part of the body because you're despising and you're humiliating and you're insensitive and you're selfish in your attitude toward them. In essence, all of this does not reflect the intent of the Lord's Supper. This is not what the Lord's Supper is all about. So look at what he says in verse 20. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Sure, you can have bread and wine there. Sure, you can can go through the ritual and the ceremony of it all. And and the pastor says, Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you and we all eat together. This is the blood of the new covenant shed for you and we all drink together but but if these things are in our hearts the things he criticizes the Corinthians for while we eat you're not eating the lord's table you're not eating the lord's supper you're not doing that at all because you're not eating according to the intent that it was given it is the Lord's Supper. You notice the words there? It is not the Lord's, su- the Lord's Supper. It belongs to the Lord. This, 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 this was instituted by Jesus. This was made possible by Jesus. This was established by Jesus. It is Jesus who has provided for this table by His death. He is the host who invites you to His table. And who does Jesus invite? Does he invite the people who don't know God? Does he he invite the enemies of the gospel of Christ? No. He invites the members of his body. He invites those whom he calls brother and sister. And so if you know Jesus, you're, you're, you're invited to this table. And that, it, it, that, 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 that's got to have an effect on how we think Jesus invites his own. Jesus invites those who are special to him. Jesus invites those who are the recipients of his grace. And if that is the case, then how could I, how could you reject a brother or sister in the Lord? How could I, how could you maintain and harbor and even nurture within our hearts an attitude that is selfish and insensitive toward them? No, all that has to come down. All that has to be put under the blood of Jesus Christ. All of that needs to be repented of because it is at the table that we find true fellowship with those who know and love the Lord, it is at the table that we are united together with each other. And so if we come to the table and and, 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 and there isn't this understanding, if we come to the table and there isn't this kind of repentance and reconciliation with each other and restoration of fellowship with each other, then we come in an unworthy manner and... And brothers and sisters in Jesus, I want you to see in verses 27 to 32 that an unworthy manner brings something with it. It brings discipline. It brings the displeasure of the Lord. Therefore, verse 27, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Verse 29, very, very important. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick. And a number of you have fallen asleep. Wow. That's how displeased God was with his people. Verse 31. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Yes, God will discipline his people. And he disciplines those whom he loves so that we will not be condemned with the world. The disciplining hand of God in judging us is for the purpose of restoring us and renewing us in the ways of the Lord. Not that we would ever be condemned forever. And so I invite you now to join me, if you would, in prayer. And to keep this in mind, that it is possible for us, the situation historically in Corinth was different from what we have here. But it is possible for us to be bound by the same attitudes and the same selfishness that characterized the Corinthians. And so today we want to come to the Lord, not in an unworthy manner, but in a worthy manner, recognizing the body and the blood of the Lord. This is our opportunity now, just each of us individually, quietly, to pray to the Lord, to express, to confess our sins and our shortcomings. If there is bitterness, confess it today. If there is a broken relationship, confess it as sin today. Stop, stop justifying because you think you're right in terms of what happened. No, just, just confess your, your fault in it all. And now determine, make, make a pledge, make a vow to God today. I will be reconciled to that brother, that sister in Christ. Pray the Holy Spirit might baptize us with, with true godly sorrow. stand with me now, please, and let's read together this prayer of corporate confession. Pray with me, please. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. Go now to verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11. The actual words that Paul quotes beginning at verse 23, which are taken from the Gospel accounts, Paul inserts them right here in the middle of his expression of concern about the Corinthians and how they were coming to the Lord's table. And uh, if we, again, if we go back to verse 20, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. So he says, okay, so now I need to instruct you again as to what the Lord's Supper is. And so that's why he inserts verses 23 through 26 into this general concern that he has. And now he talks, I believe, in these verses about a worthy manner. If there's an unworthy manner, there is certainly a worthy manner. And so let's look at what Paul says in verse 23. Let me read. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Again, there's that word, that passing on, the tradition, you see. He's passing it on. He wants to keep this going from one generation to the next. I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread The lord's supper and to have no impediment in doing so there's a number of things we need to understand about what a worthy manner means and i see in these verses first of all that a worthy manner means that it is a family dinner a family dinner we have come to the family table we are at the family table this morning jesus says in verse 25 this cup is the new covenant in my blood now interestingly when you go back to the verses of the old testament that prophesied that god would make a new covenant god doesn't make covenants with the air he doesn't make covenants with the ground or with the dirt he doesn't make covenants with abstract things he makes covenants with people with people the new covenant creates a new people we are the new people of God this table then is a family dinner we come as members of a family the family of God we are brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus I think you remember back a couple of weeks ago when we had a wonderful baptism time here at the church. Baptism tank was there be- behind me, and I think we baptized 11 people two, two weeks ago, and I, I spoke to you and brought a brief message to you, and that mess- at the beginning of the message I asked you a question, which I said in some places you'll hear this question being asked and it sounds kind of creepy. Remember what that was? Are you saved? Are you saved? Well, are you? You see, if you are saved, if you have been saved by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, then this fellowship dinner, this family dinner, is for you. You are a part of the body of Christ. Christ's blood has been shed for you. You have received God's grace. And so if you are saved, then this is the family dinner that you participate in. Which me- leads me to the next thing I want to say is that this is a fellowship dinner. This isn't just fast food pulling in grabbing a bite really quick because we need to sustain ourselves to carry on for the rest of the day no no this is a sit-down meal this is a fellowship dinner where we take time where we where we actually relate to each other and so i would say to you again that if you've come in this morning and and, and you're a believer and, and you take part today and as soon as the benediction is pronounced you're out the door and there's no communication, there's no fellowship, there's no, no, no building of camaraderie and relationship with someone else here, then you've missed the point of the meal. Because Jesus says he wants us to sit down with him and eat with him and he with us. He stands at our, our heart's door and he knocks. And if we, open the heart, if we open our heart's door, he comes in and, and, and then we eat with him. And there needs to be that communion with him and with each other. The next thing I would say is that this is a reflective dinner. And I take you down to verse 28. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. And that's what we were doing in the first section this, this, this morning. Reflecting, contemplating, considering seriously. The word examine here is is actually a a word that was used by blacksmiths. Uh, They would examine a a piece of metal, uh, hit it, put it in the fire, hit it to make sure it was strong because even a piece of metal can have cracks in it. And so the examination was the blacksmith hitting it in order to make sure that that that, that forged steel would, would stand the test of pressure. And so in the same way, we examine ourselves. Are we in communion with God? Is there something in our hearts that has disrupted our fellowship with the Lord? We are to reflect seriously. But then it is also... A Thanksgiving dinner and I I take you I direct your attention back to chapter 10 would you go there for just just a moment when we, we were talking about the fleeing from idolatry and the fact that some of the Corinthians were going to the table of demons and the table of the Lord and in verse 16 chapter 10 verse 16 he says is not the cup of Thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ the cup of Thanksgiving It's a Thanksgiving dinner. We all know what Thanksgiving dinners are about. The the family gathers together again, and we, we reflect on the goodness of God together. And the cup of Thanksgiving, the word Thanksgiving is the word Eucharist. Have you ever heard that word before? Sometimes you'll see a church that has the name Eucharist in it, the Church of the Holy Eucharist. It means the Holy Thanksgiving. It's a good word. It's a good word, and and we are gathering together to drink from the same cup because we are thanking God for what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. And look at verse 26. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're proclaiming the Lord's death today. When when we will, when, In a moment when we take that bread and eat it, when we take the cup and drink from it, we're proclaiming the Lord's death to each other. Because this is not only a Thanksgiving dinner, it's a Thanksgiving dinner because it's a gospel dinner. It's, it's all about the good news of Jesus Christ. We're remembering Jesus and we're proclaiming his death. And so at this dinner we tell each other the gospel again. It says... In verse 26, you proclaim the Lord's death until when? Until he comes. Do you realize from from the time of his death until he comes that that, that that includes the whole gospel story. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. He ascended into heaven. And as we say in the creed, from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. And so Christ has died for us and Christ will come again for us. This is a gospel dinner. And so a worthy manner brings then, not discipline, a worthy manner brings blessing. Blessing. we recount his blessings, we reflect together upon his great salvation, we remember his sacrificial death, we, we reconcile with others in the body of Christ, our brothers and sisters in Jesus, we, we ask for the restoring of, of our fellowship with God by the work of the Holy Spirit and a renewing in our hearts, a renewing of our love for the Lord and for our brothers and sisters in Jesus. And whenever that happens, there is always incredible blessing. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for the moment so we could take just reflecting again on on Paul's instructions in Corinthians. Thank you that even though they were written 2,000 years ago addressing a particular issue in a church back then, that these words are still applicable to us today. There's still application for us today. Lord, we want to thank you now this morning that we're about to drink from the the cup of thanksgiving and to eat the bread that, that symbolizes your body broken by our sin. And we want to thank you with all of our hearts that you took our sins in your body upon the cross. We want to thank you, Lord, that the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. We thank you this morning, Lord Jesus, that you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We thank you today, Lord, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. We thank you, Lord, that, that, that by taking our sin in your body, you removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And we thank you that you bore all of this in your body, that you suffered in our place. And we thank you, Lord, that out of the the agony of your death comes the triumph of our life. Incredible blessing, because you, as it were, were buried into the ground like a seed. And now you have brought forth the fruit of eternal life in us. And we praise you for it. Thank you, Lord Jesus for bearing our sins in your body on the tree. Amen. And now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in each one of us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.